it's hard to believe it's the, actually the week of Christmas, huh? This year has just absolutely flown by. Um, how many of you when, you, when you look ahead to Friday and thinking about Christmas coming, would be honest enough to admit you wouldn't be surprised if there was some coal in your stocking for this year? Anybody, anybody want to admit that? No? Anybody? anybody? How many of you think you made Santa's naughty list? Anybody? Yeah, how many of you are sitting next to someone you know made the naughty list? Yes, 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 yes. I, I love the story of a little boy who uh, was kind of an ornery kid and uh, came time for Christmas and decided he was going to write a letter to Santa and he thought about how bad he had been and how much trouble he had gotten in and he thought, you know, I don't think writing to Santa is going to cut it this year. I'm going to have to appeal to a higher power so he decided he was going to write a letter to Jesus to, to kind of help him out. And so he sat down and he said, uh, Dear Jesus, I've been a really good boy this year. And he stopped and he went, Jesus ain't going to buy that. You know, I think Jesus can tell like, like Santa that, you know, what I've done. So I, I can't say that. So he scrapped that one and took out another piece of paper. And he started and he said, Dear Jesus, I've tried to be a really good boy this year. And he stopped again, and he goes, I don't think Jesus is going to buy that one either. And he said, man, I'm just, I'm cooked. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he scrapped it, and he's walking around trying to think what in the world he could do and how he could write a letter that really might mean something. And then uh, he looked up on the, on the, above the fireplace, and he saw this really beautiful nativity set. And he had this idea, and he ran in, and he got a towel, and he ran in, and he grabbed one of the figures off the nativity scene, and he wrapped it all up in a towel, and he went in, and he put it in the back of his closet, and he shut the door, and he sat down with a piece of paper, and he started writing again, and he said, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. (laughs) Some of you will get that about 2 o'clock this afternoon. That'll, that'll, That'll set him. Well... The good news is if you've been as naughty as this little boy, Christmas is really all about you. Um, Christmas, if it is about anything, is about those who have been or are far from God. Um, Today I want to talk about this uh, word that is uh, a word we throw around, but it's a really important word, especially this season of the year. It's the word redemption. Everybody say that word with me. Redemption. Of all the stories in, in the Christmas setting, um, one of the ones that we talk about the most and we read the most is the one from Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at that story today. If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can track along with us. We're going to throw the, the scripture up on the screen for you. Um, for those of you watching online, you can track on, on, on the screen as well. Luke chapter 2, beginning of verse 8, you remember the story. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Because today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And he is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, when we read this story of the shepherd in a 21st century setting, kind of looking back, we 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 don't realize how shepherds were really regarded during that time. You know, when we think of shepherds, we think of guys who are gentle and really nice guys carrying the, the lamb on their chest, you know, and we're, we're thinking of real kind kind of people. But those really weren't the shepherds of the first century. Uh, the shepherds described by many of the commentators as, as a really a, a roughneck group. Uh, they talked about them as a bit of, 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 of vagabonds who often were shepherding on the side. Some of them had, uh, were, were criminals who uh, maybe weren't really good at being a criminal, so they did shepherding uh, as a way of just making a little money because uh, they could be allowed away from people because they really weren't around, allowed around town because they were run off for being thieves. Um, because they were shepherds, they were ceremoniously unclean which means shepherds weren't allowed to go into religious places to worship uh, or to be around. So they really weren't around, you know, religious or godly people very much. In fact, I love what one commentator was talking about. Some of the documents from the first century told about how shepherds um, were, they were regarded as such vagabonds and such uh, people of low integrity that they were not allowed to testify in court because you couldn't believe a word they were saying. Now, just think this thought with me for a second. It was to people like this that God came first to proclaim the news that his son was coming to this world. And sometimes we forget that it wasn't for those who had it all together that Christ came from heaven to earth. It was for those of us who desperately need him, which is pretty much all of us. Amen? And so when we talk about the story of Christmas, the story of Christmas is really about an exclamation point on this whole story of God trying to reclaim his people. Um, And it started long before Jesus came. When I was um, when I when I was thinking about this whole idea of of redemption and and just just getting lost in the story a little bit this week of of all the wonderful ways that God has unfolded that for us, there were some things that kind of jumped out to me that I thought I, I want these to be really good words of encouragement to you and words that will make you understand again today just how deeply and desperately our God really does love you. Can I give you a couple really cool thoughts? Here's the first one. God prepared for redemption. God prepared for redemption. 
Okay, come on. How many of you are one of those people that whenever you are going to go away on a trip or go somewhere or do something, you start preparing days in advance? You start, how many of you, how many of you are like that? Yeah, you start packing in advance. You start setting aside all the things that you need. Um, you know, how many of you, come on, hold your hands up high. How many of you are like that? You're the, you're the prepared people. Yeah, you are the people we really don't like. You get, you annoy us. We need you, but you annoy us, you know. Um, Wanda's that way. Whenever we go, you know, we'll go away for a few days and, and I'll go in to start loading stuff into the car and it's like, Wanda, <laughs> how can you take this much stuff? You know, but she's a prepared, she's a prepared person. When I was thinking about this, it reminded me, I had this flashback to when I was pastoring in Pennsylvania. I had a, a guy in my church named Doug who was a, a, a hospital administrator. And Doug had played basketball at Rutgers and, and was, a, was a jock like me and he loved sports. And he came to me at one Sunday and he said, hey, would, would you want to take a little trip with me? And I said, where are we going? He goes, he said, I, I want to go, he said, I want to go up to Cleveland. It's about a two and a half, three hour drive. He said, I want to go up to Cleveland. He said, there's a, a, a Cleveland Indians baseball game on Friday. And, and he said, and then the next day, the Cleveland Cavaliers are playing the Boston Celtics. And it was Larry Bird's last year that he played. And he said, I want to get us tickets to the baseball game for Friday and then the basketball game on Sunday. I want to take my boys and we'll, we'll have this, this, this three-day. And I was so pumped. I was so pumped. And I thought, you know, baseball, I could take or leave. But man, to see, see Larry Bird, I was, I was stoked. And so I showed up at his house. And uh, Doug had this big station wagon. I showed up at his house, and I've got my little gym bag with, you know, a throw a change of clothes for, you know, for the next for two days. And, um, and I get there, and he's loading this stuff in the back of his station wagon. And I'm like, dude, where are we going? You know, how could you pack this much stuff? I mean, he's loading, he's loading extra water and he's got, you know, stuff in case we break down on the road. He's got bags of different kinds of clothes. And I mean, he's got all this stuff for him and his boys. And I'm like, Doug, and I'm, I'm, I'm mocking him. I'm like, Doug, what are you doing, man? And he, he I forgot, his, both of his boys were Eagle Scouts. And he said, do you know that the Boy Scout motto is be prepared, be prepared. And I'm like, whatever, <laughs> you know, is there going to be room for me in the station wagon? That's all I care about. So we, we, we drive up, we drive up to, to Cleveland and we spend the night in this hotel. We get up the next day to go to go out to the Cleveland stadium for this baseball game. Now it's like the first week of baseball, early, early April. Anybody ever been to Cleveland? Yeah, I don't blame you. I, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not exactly the, the greatest place in the world, but this old stadium, they're in a new stadium now, but the old stadium sat right on Lake Erie. Now, I'm thinking it's April. Uh, I've got a light jacket with me. You know, it, it might be a little chilly in spring. It was, I got up, I kid you not, we got up that morning to go to this baseball game. It was 37 degrees and raining. A light, misty rain. Now, I kid you not, we got to that stadium, sat down, and the wind was whipping off the lake across that stadium. And I was sitting there, and, and, and I, I kid you not, I have skied in Loveland, Colorado, when the wind chill was 88 below. But I was colder in that stadium in April than I ever was in Colorado. 
I'm sitting there and I am freezing. I got this light jacket on and I'm chilly and I'm wet and I'm freezing. And I look over and Doug and his boys have on winter jackets, which were one of the six different kinds of coats they brought, you know. And they've got stocking caps and gloves and they're smiling and he's got a thermos, you know, that he's poured. And they're sipping. And I'm looking over there and I'm like, and I'm looking at Doug and I'm like, he goes, be prepared. I didn't like Doug much after that. that was... Did you know that our need for redemption did not catch God by surprise? When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, when they ate the, the apple or the fruit, whatever, that, that you know, God told them not to, do you think God went, oh, I had no idea that was going to happen? Or do you think that God was ready for the fact that this creation that he created perfect might possibly fall and walk away from him. Well, he was prepared. In fact, on your outline, look at the passage of Scripture from Revelation 13, 8. I, look, I love how it describes Jesus. It describes him as, read it with me, the lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. In other words, from the very creation when God created us, he was prepared for our fall. And he always is. He always is. I love in, in the story of Jesus and his disciples how at the end of Jesus' ministry, he was telling his disciples, you guys are all going to run away. You're, you're going to leave me. You're going to fall. Uh, you're going to abandon me. And, and Peter's like, oh, no, even if all of these losers do, Jesus, I will, I will never do that. Look at what Jesus says to him. I love this from Luke 22. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to shift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. Read it with me. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Let that sink in for just a second. When you've repented, what's Jesus saying to Peter? I'm prepared for you to fall. I'm prepared for what you're going to do. And, and when you realize it and realize I still love you, come back to me. Strengthen your brothers. Now, now look at me. I, I, you just got to get this. I'm not telling you that God wants you to fail. <clears throat> I'm not telling you that God wants you to fall. I'm not telling you that God wants you to sin. I'm not telling you any of that. Here's what I'm telling you. He's prepared for it. And so if today you came in and you're feeling pretty guilty, if you're feeling pretty lousy about yourself, if you, if you look back and you realize that you have fallen and you have fallen big and, and maybe the enemy has been beating you up going, you know what, you're too far gone. You know what, you, you've, you've lost it. You know what, here's what you need to understand. It's not that God wanted you to fall on your face, but God was prepared for that. Before the foundation of the world, God made sure he had a plan in place that we could never be beyond his reach. Amen? Amen. Here's a second thought I want to give you. And this I just smiled at when I realized it, that God pursued redemption. God pursued redemption. You know, it's so strange for our thinking 
because it, when someone wrongs us, um, probably the last thing that we think about is maybe we ought to go to with them, go to them, even though they're the ones who wronged us. We ought to go to them and try to make it right. That usually doesn't show up in our radar screen. Usually when someone wrongs us, someone's cheated us, someone's lied to us, someone's hurt us, generally what we do is we wait for them to come to us, come groveling to us, and then we'll think about whether or not we're going to forgive them and try to reconcile this relationship. Now, just let this boggle your mind for a second. God didn't do that. God pursued us from the beginning of time to try to restore a wrong that we ourselves committed. Does this sink in for you? Are you getting this? God pursued us to make things right when he had done nothing wrong. I, I love what it says. Look at Ezekiel 34. This is a beautiful passage of scripture. Read it with me, church. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. That's why the religious leaders didn't understand this. When, when Jesus came and instead of spending his time with religious people, he wanted to spend time with, with tax collectors and prostitutes and people who were far from God. And they, they, they didn't get it, but, but Jesus made it clear. Luke 19, 10, read it with me. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are what? Who are lost. What's he saying? He's saying, I am the evidence of God's pursuing love for you. I love Psalm 23, 6. Read it with me, church. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a, uh, I, I saw the title of this blog this guy wrote. And a um, guy named Garrett Kell. And it, the title of the blog caught my attention. It's called, when, when God Chased Me. And I thought, oh, that looks interesting. So I was, I was reading this. And Garrett talks about being um, a junior at Virginia Tech University. And he said, man, he said, I was uh, neck deep into the party crowd. Uh, I was drinking, you know, doing drugs. He said, just living the high life. He said, and along the way, he goes, I, I, had, I had met a guy who had talked to me about God and just said, you know, Garrett, I think God is what you're really looking for. And Garrett said, I, I thought about that, and I thought, well, you know, maybe. And so he said, just for, you know, just kind of to humor the guy, he decided he got a Bible, and he said, I, I just started reading a little bit. And he goes, every time I read the Bible, he goes, it was like it was speaking just to me. And he said, I, I just kind of really bothered me. And he said, so he said, I, I actually went to church a few times. He goes, when, when I went to church, he said, I just, it, it was kind of, again, it was like whatever was being said, he said, that was like it was just for me. And he goes, and then he said, I began to realize that, you know, everywhere I go, he goes, it's like I'm overhearing these God conversations. And he goes, it was like I couldn't, once I opened the door, he goes, it was like I couldn't get away from it. And he said, it started freaking me out a little bit. I was like, I think God is after me. And it was hilarious. He, and he said, in, in the middle of all of this, he says, my buddy Adam asked, uh, suggested that we go down to Panama City, Florida for spring break. 
He said, so we did. And he said, we're literally driving um, into Florida. And he said, I'm telling Adam about this weirdness with God. And he goes, you know, a guy told me about God, and I kind of searched it out a little bit. He goes, and now, I feel like God's following me. And Adam said, dude, you're paranoid. You know, you're just paranoid. And he said, maybe, but I just get this really weird feeling. And, and Garrett said, and no kidding, no sooner did, 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 did I, you know, we have that conversation. He goes, I was looking out the window, and here's this one of those planes that's flying, and it's got, it's got those banners, you know, that kind of behind him. And he goes, and I look up, and this plane is dragging a banner that says, Jesus loves you, John 3, 16. And he said, I'm looking at that, and I go, Adam, look. And Adam says, well, he's, I'm telling you, God is following me, man. And, and he said, we got to the hotel. We checked in. He said, we, we went down to the beach. He said, we stuck our chairs in the beach, and we popped open a couple of beers. He said, we're sitting there drinking. And he said, we're just sitting back. And he said, there's a whole group of college kids that were walking down the beach. And they walked over to us, and they were handing out pamphlets. And he said, they handed us both one. He goes, open this pamphlet up, and it says, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I said, Adam, it's freaking me out, man. You know, I think God is after me. And he said, then we, we, we went back after we were at the beach. We went back, we cleaned up. We went to the club that night. And he said, we were at the club for a while. He said, we came out. He said, we were waiting for a taxi. And he said, these two vans drove up that were covered with graffiti. And these long-haired dudes got out. And he said, all over the side of the van, it says stuff like, repent. Jesus loves you. Get your life right with God. And he said, these two guys walk up. And he said, hey, we're offering free rides to anyone who, who wants them. And he goes, I'm looking at the side of their van. And he goes, I'm not getting in those vans, man. And he turned and he said, Adam, I'm telling you, God's after me. And he said, we, we, we went back, we said, we got up the next morning and, and we went to, went to the Waffle House. I'm going to read his words. He said, so we got to Waffle House across the street. And he said, I told him, I said, Adam, I feel like God is making me feel bad for the way I'm living, man. And he said, and I, I don't know what to do. He said, we're, we're, we scarfed down our waffles. And he, Adam looked at me and he said, bro, I think you need to stop doing drugs. It's just messing with your mind. He said, within minutes, the doors flew open and a flood of about 30 loud and laughing people carrying Bibles come walking into the Waffle House and took seats all around us. He said, then one guy walks up to, straight up to us and he says, hi, my name's Shelby. He said, you guys go to Virginia Tech? And he said, we looked at him and went, yeah. And he said, you know, he goes, for, he looked at me and said, have I ever seen you at a church in Blacksburg? And he said, I looked at him and I said, I, I've gone there a couple of times and I, it's possible. He said, then Shelby explained that he was with a group called Campus Crusade for Christ and that he would like to meet with me when we got back to school and talk about God and the Bible. He said, we exchanged information and Shelby turned around and headed off. And he said, as he walked away, Adam turned at, turned at me and he said, dude, God is after you. <laughs> Garrett went on to say he went back to Virginia Tech, met with Shelby, and he did surrender his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Garrett is spending his life now spreading this same message that God is after us. Now, look at me. I just want you to hear my heart. 
I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. Don't know how far from God you may be, but this is what I can tell you. God has never given up on you. God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. He really is the hound of heaven, and he will pursue you all the days of your life. Amen? God not only prepared for redemption, he pursues us with that redemption. Let me give you one more. God also has provided for redemption. God has also provided for redemption. One of the great stories in Scripture, Genesis 22, where Abraham has this encounter with God, and Scripture says, so Abraham called that place, it's called in the, in the, in the Aramaic, uh, Jehovah Jireh, uh, God will provide. And it said, the Lord will provide until that day, it says on the mountain, the Lord, it will be provided. And that was what the, the people of God saw all through the Old Testament. You know, even, even before Jesus, God was providing for their redemption. God provided the law. God provided high priests. God provided them instructions for the tabernacle and then the temple. God provided the means and the methods by which the high priest could offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people and do that every year. And, and, and then came Jesus. And that's why I put on your outline, in the old covenant, God provided the process. But in the new covenant, God provided the person. And that was the whole reason Jesus came, was for the purpose of redemption. It was God's provision for our redemption. For God so loved you, he gave his one and only son, that if you would just believe in him, you wouldn't have to perish, but you could have everlasting life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I love how Eugene Peterson translated Ephesians 1. He says, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties, free of punishments, chalked up by all of our misdeeds. And I love this. Read it with me. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. <laughs> By a grandson, Maddox, is 10 years old. He, uh, this year he wanted to, and he, I think he did it last year too, but he wanted to get, get presents for our family, members of the family. And so he had Wanda take him shopping. A um, week ago, and came back and wanted to wrap the gifts for him. Well, Friday, Maddox comes up to me when he was at our house, and he, he said, Grandpa, can you take me to five below? And I said, well, four, bud. He said, I want to get a present for Grandma. I couldn't get one for her because she was with me last time. I said, oh, okay, we can do that. And so we, uh, we got in the car, got, got ready, and went, got in the car, and we're driving to five below, and uh, I told him how proud I was of him for, you know, getting gifts for people. That's really cool. And, and then I thought, I said, Maddox, do you have any money? And he said, no. 
I said, how are you going to get a gift for Grandma? He looked at me and just smiled and said, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> I said, Maddox, when you went with Grandma last week to buy all those presents, I said, who paid for them? He said, Grandma did. I said, Maddie, are you like Cousin Eddie or something, you know, from Christmas Vacation? You know, and I got laughing, but he, he was just confident, you know. And so we, I thought, okay, well, you know, I'll buy a gift, you know, it's five below. I know stuff's not going to be more than five bucks, so not a big deal. So we walk, in, we walk in five below. He found a gift, and it's a really cool gift that he wanted to get for Wanda. So, so we, we got that, I got that, and he said, oh, yeah, he said, Grandma wants us to get a gingerbread house so we can put together. Oh, okay. So we walked over, and we're looking at a gingerbread house. And I said, how about that one? He said, that's good. So I put that on my, my, my hands. And he goes, but you know, you know, Grandpa, we really need to get a gingerbread house, not just for, for, for me, but for, for Grandma and for Joe Lee, too. And so I go, okay. So we're getting two more gingerbread houses, and we're stacking those up. And now I'm, I'm starting to go, chink, 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 you know. And now we're walking to the checkout line. And as we're walking through where all of this other stuff is, he goes, oh, Grandpa, I forgot. I got to get some stuff for Grandma's stocking, too. And so he starts grabbing this stuff out of this bin, you know, these bins, and, and putting it on there. And I'm going, holy cow. And we, we, we get there, you know, and I'm scanning this stuff. And, Adam, and he's standing there grinning from ear to ear. with a whole stack of stuff that he couldn't pay for. But he knew he was loved by someone who could. That's your story. Whatever you came with today. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's you. That's me. We have a debt that we can't pay, could never pay. And God knew this was going to happen. And so he pursued us with his love. And at just the right time, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, as we celebrate this Christmas, we're celebrating this gift of redemption. He is still our Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And he's provided for you. The Bible says if, if we will confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to do anything huge in return. All, all you have to do is give him your past and give him your heart. All you have to do is like little Maddox did when he said, Grandpa, and he knew I was there. Romans says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. And so this morning, I don't, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. It doesn't matter what kind of past you've had, what kind of horrible week you've had, or, or, or what you've done that you may think is so hideous and wrong. God has purchased your redemption. All you have to do is receive it. And that's the great news of Christmas. Rachel's gonna lead us in this just beautiful song. It says, oh, come to the altar. 
just a gorgeous song that just basically says, whatever you got, your sin, your addictions, your, your issues, whatever it is that you need to lay down before God, you can lay it here because he will cover it all for you right here today. Let this be your moment of worship. Let this be your time where you just open your heart to God. Whatever, whatever is there, just yield it over to him. Again, doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter how bad you've blown it. God's grace is greater than all of our sin. Father, how thankful we are today um, that even when you created us way back at the beginning of time, you were wise enough to know that at some point we would decide to go our own way. And so when we sinned, you, you weren't shocked and surprised. You were hurt. You were sad. But you were prepared. And you have pursued us, Lord, with your your loving kindness all the days of our life. And, and today we're reminded again that you have made that redemption possible for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, it, it astounds me sometimes when I read the Christmas story and realize that it was to people like shepherds that you came to proclaim your coming because it was for us, those of us who are far from you, that you were coming to desperately reach. And so, Father, I, I pray for all of us today, for all of us who need the touch of your gracious hand, for all of us who need the forgiveness that only you can offer, for all of us, Lord, who need our hearts and lives cleansed by the power of, of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we open ourselves to you. We're grateful. We're thankful today. And by the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we claim the redemption that you have promised in your word. Lord, we're sorry that we weren't smart enough to love you. But we're so grateful that we can love today because you first loved us. Oh, God, thank you. As we celebrate Christmas this week, may we remember what it's all about. It's about this great gift that we call redemption. It's in your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen.